This is Shelter in Place, a podcast about embracing the journey in a world forever changed. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. When I was in college in the late 90s, I found a way to time travel. This was the era of swing kids and swingers, where Vince Vaughn first snagged our hearts with that oddly irresistible laugh. It was the revival of the Lindy Hop and the Jitterbug, of suspenders and wingtip shoes. I took the free dance lessons my college offered to get down the basic step-step rock step. I learned how to do the pretzel and to let my partner lead. I sang along as I danced when Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's big band played on Wisconsin's Lake Mendota Terrace. I remember Wednesday nights on the west side, where for one night a week, a family-owned Italian restaurant hosted a swing dance. It was there that I learned tricks, dips, flips, and aerials, practicing first in the parking lot and then on the dance floor. It was there that I began to understand the silent language of my partner's hand on mine, so in sync that we didn't need words. We were reaching back almost a hundred years in history to a dance step born in Harlem, and it was magical. My body felt strong and capable, my senses fully charged. We would dance for hours, stay till closing, so drenched in sweat and giddy with energy that I'd be up half the night just feeling good, that swing beat still in my bones. It was living at its most exuberant when for a few hours, everything felt right. Several years out of college, I was still pining for those Wednesday nights. When we moved to Oakland back in 2004, I tried unsuccessfully to convince my husband, Nate, to sign up for dance classes with me. Nate went to college a state away from me. He, too, had been part of the swing dance revival. But by then, the world had moved on. The only classes that we could find were for salsa, merengue, samba, dances that required a different frequency than the one that we'd been tuned to. I was game to learn, but Nate hemmed and hawed every time I asked. In those days, we lived in an apartment we could barely afford, with crumbling ceilings and walls that we patched ourselves. I was working 5 a.m. shifts in a coffee shop and going to grad school full-time, while Nate was doing odd jobs for our landlord. He would end his days of bolting the foundation covered in dust or scratched shoulder to elbow from pink, foamy sheets of fiberglass. It was hard to get motivated to learn something new when so much of life was just learning to survive. Every now and then, we'd be at someone's wedding and the DJ would put on You and Me and the Bottle Makes Three Tonight, that one swing song that would wrestle up forgotten longings and those of us old enough to remember. Nate and I would dance and it was fun, but our movements were always slightly out of sync. Life had made us more structured and less fluid our bodies had lost touch with the rhythm. And so over time, I learned to let my dancing urges slowly fade, to find contentment in tamer passions. That is, until recently, when I met someone who understood. Hi, I'm Andreina Febres. I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela, and I grew up just moving my body. For me, culturally, playing music and moving, it's what you do. You go to a birthday party and you dance, whether you are 8, 10, 15, or 60, you just dance. 
I remember as a kid, I was teaching people how to dance, never imagining that I would do that in the future. Andreina is a fellow parent at our Spanish Immersion Public School, and we became friends first through our sons, who met on the first day of class this year. I remember meeting Andreina years ago at Bailaton, our school's annual fundraiser dance. But it wasn't until school went online in 2020 that I realized she was a dancer. Or let me rephrase that. At our school, almost everyone is a dancer. That bailaton I mentioned is the best school dance I have ever attended. Because from toddlers to teenagers to parents, people actually dance. One of the great gifts of our community is that dancing has become a part of regular life for my kids, who have been immersed in Dia de los Muertos celebrations with baile folklorico since they were toddlers. But Andreina's tie to dancing isn't just cultural. It's the thing that has ultimately made her feel at home. I came to the States in 1999 with one big plan, and it was to learn English. I was in the middle of finishing my business degree in Venezuela. My sister was in Berkeley. She was going to the Berkeley Extension Program, and the idea was for me to come for about six months, learn English, and then go back and finish my degree. But after a couple of months in the Bay Area, there was no way I was going to go back. I fell in love with the community and the mix of races and languages and everything that was so new to me at the time when I was 21. Right when I arrived, my sister said, I'm going back to Venezuela and I have this apartment. You can take one more month here. And if you can find something for you to stay, great. And if not, I'll see you in Caracas. My English was really bad. I honestly could not have a conversation, but I was so committed that this is where I wanted to be. For the first three months, I was in an English academy, just learning level one, <laughs> creating sentences to speak. It was very basic. And I was so committed to learning that I was in class most of the day, but then I would finish and walk around listening to the radio stations and I could hear more voices. And then I would go home and I would watch TV and have the captions on so I could get an idea of what they were talking about. I started to look for opportunities to work, keeping in mind I couldn't work officially because I was just a student visiting the country. So I became an au pair and luckily I found a family who the mother was from Chile so we could speak Spanish. But the kids didn't speak any Spanish. So I was immersed in a whole English world. The 14-year-old was too cool to have an au pair in the house. But the six-year-old, we became buddies. People thought that we were related because we both had curly hair. We were always together. We had like Friday dates where the parents would go out, the two of us would go out for dinner, go to the movies, play sports. I mean, we were very, very close. I remember I would read books to him and he would look at me and said, what was that? And he looked at the book and he would laugh really hard because I could barely pronounce many things that we were reading about. He definitely has a lot of credit for my English, at least for those first three years. I think it helped a lot to live in somebody's house because I was 21, you know, I left Venezuela, but I wasn't ready to live by myself. I was raised in a house with three sisters and I was young and very poor in many ways. It was nice to be in somebody's house and do grocery shopping for them and I would get 
food ready, I would do laundry, like I exchanged my living expenses for work. And it was wonderful because being in the Bay Area, there was no way I was going to be able to afford rent and pay my expenses and go to school and all of that. So living in this amazing family's house was an answer for almost three years. Andreina loved the family that she worked for, but those first years were hard ones. Even today, more than 20 years later, talking about those years still brings up a mix of emotions. I went many times to visit my family, even though I didn't have money, for real. Like, I remember sometimes I laugh when I buy myself a coffee and I remember associating how it related to my hourly pay. And it was hard. But I knew I had to go back home to see my family, so luckily I had a credit card. I would charge my $800, $1,000 flight. I think the memory of being so excited to have a new experience and also so naive and young and clueless. I think it's a mix of many feelings. It's the fear coming back. I was so lost. I mean, I remember going to the English classes. One day I was trying to head back and I got so lost. It took me forever. And I couldn't even ask questions. I could ask a question, but I could never understand when they responded. I mean, think about somebody who's 21 and you leave your house. And in the States, that's like, of course you leave your house. In Venezuela, you don't leave your house. You go from having some type of community and group of friends and, you know, just knowing where you are at least. You start from zero. There is so much that we leave behind. It's family, it's community, it's just, there is no sadness right now, but I get emotional visiting those periods of your life that mark you in so many ways. It was during those years of feeling lost and missing her family that Andreina found her way back to a part of herself that had always made her feel more connected to home. She went out dancing at any Latin club she could find. Not taking dance classes, but just dancing her way through this stage of life, the way that she had through every other one. After three years as an au pair, Andreina got a job in advertising, and it was there that she became friends with a woman named Felice, who worked in the same office. And I saw her just moving, pretty much dancing from one office to the other, and I asked her if she would recommend any place to learn to samba. And she showed me, and it looks so simple, and you try, and I was like, nope, it's not happening. So she introduced me to ODC in San Francisco, and I did this whole workshop, and I loved it, and I was there every week rehearsing. Genetically, we have bunions, and I remember I went to get it checked, and the doctor said, you need surgery, but you'll be off commission for many weeks, so you won't be able to dance. And I said, I gotta wait. Here I am, getting ready for the San Francisco Carnival. And then, a few weeks before the carnival, my whole office went to the Civic Center in San Francisco to march to support immigrants. And as we were walking down the stairs at the Civic Center bar station, this lady fell down the escalator. Like, she was rolling, rolling down, and I was the last person at the bottom, and her head hit my foot that needed surgery. Luckily, my foot was there to protect her head. I think she got so scared, she got up and left. I'm sure she was very injured. And I was in so much pain, I couldn't walk. And I sat down and I asked for help and I left that BART station in an ambulance. 
that same week I went back to the doctor that I had seen and I said, hey, I already got a broken bone, so why don't we break the other one and you just fix my bunion? For years, Andreina had been taking care of herself, learning how to be an adult in a new city, speaking a new language and adapting to a new culture. But suddenly, she needed help with everything. So with no one else to turn to, she reached out to her mom, who was still living in Venezuela and working as a travel agent. So when I told her, hey, I'm having surgery in two days, she said, at what time? I'm coming. So she bought a ticket, she showed up, she came to the surgery with me, and she made it all work. I didn't grow up very close to my mom. I mean, she was an amazing woman who stayed with us and didn't work for many years and was all in for the four daughters. But our personalities just didn't click. We just didn't get each other. But when I moved to the States, it kind of created this distance that allowed us to be who we were. And then when we would see each other, it was this joy of being together for real this time. And he gave me this picture of, oh my God, this is a mother. Like she just said, I'm going to take care of my daughter. Whatever she was doing in Venezuela was not as important anymore. Our relationship really changed. And I remember I lived in the tiniest studio apartment in the city that you could ever imagine, which was half of my salary that I shared with her for so long. But she was so sweet. She was bathing me in my, like, I don't know, I was probably 29, 28. And she's asking me what type of exercises she should do for her belly. And when I'm showing her, she started to have this pain. Well, she said, when I go back home, I'll check in with my doctor. And then they found a tumor. She had colon cancer. And that's how the cancer journey started for her. While Andreina recovered from her surgery and returned to dancing, she watched her mom's health steadily decline. She had surgery, and then at some point the cancer came back in her lungs. And the four daughters were with her in Caracas, and we were exploring options for treatment. She always lived like, I'm here, and never talked about death. I think deep down she thought that she was going to get cured. Meanwhile, back in California, Andreina had continued to dance, and in that process, had gotten to know not just her office mate, Feliz, but Feliz's twin brother, Rafael. While Andreina's mom was going through chemo, Andreina and Rafael were planning a wedding. Even though Andreina's mom was still regularly traveling and visiting them between treatments, but they decided to get married in Venezuela so the family could come to her. It was pretty rough life for at least two full years. I remember her in September of 2008, right before our wedding in Venezuela, she asked, I think I'm done, I, I would like to stop my treatment. She attended the wedding, which was beautiful, and all of us were together, the four sisters and the husbands and the children that were born. It was hard to get everybody there, but it's so worth it. The family gathered in Venezuela, and the wedding was beautiful. But even as they were celebrating, they were anticipating the grief they all knew was coming. A couple of months later, Andreina's mom passed away. When she died, which happened right after my wedding, for a whole year, getting up from bed was a big challenge, for sure. My three sisters had kids at the time, so they were sad for sure, but our experience was different at the time because I was with my husband alone. We were trying to get pregnant, I couldn't. And it just felt like, oh my God, I don't have any reason to move. Dancing had helped Andreina feel at home in the States when she was feeling lost and alone. 
It had given her a community that made her feel more connected. It had even brought her to her husband. Dancing had helped her through other hard times. Maybe it would be the thing she needed now to allow herself to revive. Right after my mom died, I decided with my sister-in-law to get that Sumba certification. It only took a day and I was like, why not? And I truly believe that dancing got me out of that place. Angelina kept dancing through painful anniversaries and holidays that used to include her mom. And then one day she reached another landmark, one that she always thought she'd get to share with her mom. She took a pregnancy test and it came back positive. So I went to get my certification when I was six weeks pregnant or so. I started to teach right away. And there were moments where I would teach the class or work in a choreography or do something like, I'm going to do this for you, Mom. But it was a hard, super hard year. Christmas came and the family gathered together once again, this time in San Francisco. Everyone was eager to celebrate this new life, even as they mourned the one they'd lost. But for Andreina, that Christmas added another layer to her grief. We had a family reunion that Christmas when I got the news that I wasn't pregnant. The doctor is like, I'm sorry, everything looks like you are and your blood test says you're pregnant, but there's no baby. And I was like, oh. I remember after the doctor's appointment, my family's like, call us, we want to know, how was the ultrasound? It's like, I don't want to talk to anybody, I'm sorry. And my whole family was in town and we were taking my mom's ashes all together to the city because my mom's favorite city was San Francisco. And she went everywhere and she always said, there is nothing like San Francisco. It was a sweet reunion, but I was in so much pain. Through all of that loss, Andrina kept dancing, teaching others how to move their bodies and come alive, as if her own life depended on it. Slowly, dancing brought Andrina back to life. But the thing about loss is that we never truly move on from the people and places that we love, even as we find reasons to live again. A part of us always carries them with us. When you teach, you see so many people and meet so many amazing souls. When I was dancing one day, I saw this person and I knew she was in chemotherapy after seeing my mom going through it. And I approached her and I said, hey, how are you doing, you know? And then we ended up exchanging numbers and I took her to a doctor's appointment. And I remember saying to her, is there anything you would recommend me to do? We can do an event, we can raise money together. And she said, please just don't give the money to research. Just let's help people who are dealing with cancer now because we don't have a lot of resources. She said, I wish I could find a t-shirt that says dance and save my life because I plan my chemotherapy around class so I can feel healthy enough to come and dance with you. And that's how Dancing Save My Life nonprofit started. Obviously we couldn't find that t-shirt, but we made it. So every year we printed a new t-shirt. We sold hundreds of them, and then every dollar would go to sponsoring women with cancer to go into a three-day wellness retreat in Bolinas and it was a retreat created just for them. It was led by Maura Singer. She has many programs and many ways to help people with cancer, people who had lost, family members. So the retreats became this powerful reason for our community to get together, to raise money. Joy finished her chemo and she kept dancing. She got stronger. 
they made more shirts, each time donating the money that they made to support people who were living with cancer. They're still printing them today, and Joy is still around to see those efforts support women like her. She's full of life, and I'm sure she's going to live for many, many years. And Dancing Saved My Life has been like our baby. Meanwhile, there were other babies, too. Andrina got pregnant again, and this time, everything went as planned. She had a son, and then got pregnant with another. Most Fridays, Carlos and Javi are at our house jumping on the trampoline or reading books or sometimes dancing. But in between Dancing Saved My Life and the friendships between our families today, there was another baby, one that, like this podcast, was born because of the pandemic. So in March of 2020, when I'm teaching my Sunday class, which was the biggest class I've had in my life, I was told we can only admit 30 people because people need to be six feet apart. I didn't know how serious this was going to be. I reached out to my friend Adriana, who also taught at the same location with me, and I asked her, can you help me? Can you just help me stream my class so that people can take it online so that the ones that cannot be in person can at least dance? We honestly thought this was a solution for the month. And then the next Tuesday, I had to teach again, and the studio was already closed, and we said, okay, well, let's do what we got to do. I mean, the learning curve was as steep as you can imagine, from how to share the music and adding lights and ring lights. And she was my DJ. I was her DJ. Then upgrading our internet. You name it. Like, we tried it all. And there were moments where things were so good. And we were asking people for donations to take the classes. And I think the fear and not knowing what was coming, people were so generous. And that's when we said, okay, what are we doing with this money? This is not our money. We would get paid what we would get paid in the past. And that's what I felt it was fair. But then I have all these remaining that wasn't my money. And Adriana and I were both so aligned saying, okay, let's start donating. And we started donating to the studio that we were working for because we knew their doors were closed. They had to pay rent. And we donated to them almost $2,000 in a few weeks. And we said, okay, what's next? Well, Dancing Save My Life. It's a nonprofit. We're supporting women with cancer. We donated again like 2,000 more. So we were going to more and more organizations. And then that's when we thought, let's make this more serious. Let's turn this into an official business. Andreina found in Adriana a friend who could embrace the challenges and changes of launching a new business in a pandemic, who could see each turbulent moment not as something to battle, but a wave to ride. And then we brainstormed with our husbands and everybody had something to say and we all together agreed that making Wave Studios was the baby that we were all gonna have together. And that's what it's been. It's been an effort of two families. And now we joke that that's the baby we wanted to have. So making Wave Studios it is. And we go back to March of 2020 because Even though the name wasn't there, the partnership was there, the commitment was there. We showed up every day. It didn't matter if we had cried in the bathroom for 25 minutes that day, but we were showing up to class. Their daily classes ended up creating a bigger community with people from all over the world. Today, Making Wave Studios has donated over $27,000, and they continue to donate 5% of all of their sales. 
we just donated $1,500 to the Alameda County Community Food Bank in November, knowing that this is one of the most critical times of the year. And when we look at it and say, wow, this is 3,000 meals. We're feeding potentially 3,000 people with this effort. And this is the community. This is not me. This is not Adriana. This is not Valentina or Talia, whoever is teaching a class. This is all of us as a community. We can do something bigger together and we can be part of something bigger. On their website, it says, community spreading joy and giving back is what motivates us. Our goal is to make each class the highlight of your day. When you think about Zumba, it's a dance for everybody. The joy of moving the body, of not using your brain in front of a computer, using the brain to find coordination. I have people who have different health situations and they say, dancing has helped me so much for my stability or is mood or is depression. You try just to get out there and listen to that music and move and without any judgment of, I'm just here to move. It doesn't matter if it looks right, it needs to feel good. And we all look different and that's beautiful. A couple of months ago, Andreina invited me to come to one of Making Waves classes. The first class I came to was held on the roof of a parking garage where we danced on turf under a pink sky. I almost didn't come because I'd had the kind of day that made me want to curl up into a ball and cry. But I went anyway. I let Andreina teach me how to dance, how to move my body. There was a time when I could say that I was genuinely good at swing dancing. I learned all of the steps and the tricks and I was fit and coordinated and young and I learned fast how to do it well. That is not what happens when I dance with Making Waves. I feel distinctly uncoordinated, out of practice at every part of what I'm doing. I feel like a beginner, not sure if I should focus on the footwork first or move my arms. But from the first class, I realized that none of that mattered. No one else cared what I looked like. It didn't matter if I was any good at this. I wasn't actually doing it to be good, though I wouldn't mind getting better. I was doing it purely for the joy of it, because it was fun to move my body and sweat and attempt to shake my hips the way Andreina does. I was in a place where for once, my worth did not depend on how I performed. Everyone there was doing exactly what I was, just trying to move our bodies to work out all of this stress and sadness and joy and exhaustion and everything else this pandemic season has thrown at us. We were dancing like our lives depended on it, dancing like it could save us. And you know what? It was the highlight of my day. Meeting Andreina and learning to dance with her is one of the best things that's happened to me in this long and difficult year. Forming a partnership between Making Waves and Shelter in Place is the most hopeful way I can imagine to end this challenging year. We know that this year has been hard on a lot of you, that you might need something to change things up or some encouragement to get out of your usual rhythm. So at Shelter in Place and at Making Waves, we're doing our best to help you find some joy in the way that suits you best. Now through January 15th, we're challenging each of you to join us in making some waves, helping both of our communities grow and find each other. If you're new to making waves, give it a try. Let us know what you think. 
If this is your first time listening to Shelter in Place, I hope you join us for more season three episodes to reimagine life through creativity and community. If you look at our show notes for today, you can learn how to enter our Making Waves Shelter in Place raffle in just three easy steps. On January 15th, we'll announce three lucky winners. In just a few weeks, we'll be sharing another Making Waves story from Andreina's business partner, Adriana. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us as we dance together. Come to a class and you'll see Andreina or Adriana or Talia or Valentina. They'll make you feel at home no matter where you're tuning in from. And I'll be there too, a half a step behind, trying to get my hips to swivel, but dancing like it's saving my life. The Shelter in Place music was created by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions. Additional music and sound effects for this episode come from Storyblocks. Nate Davis is our creative director, Sarah Edgel is our design director, and our amazing Season 3 Kasama Collective trainees are Bethany Hawkins, Hannah Fowler, Meridian Waters, Nathan Wizard, Nikki Schaefer, and Zara Krim. Until next time, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. And now, if you're still listening, here's a little outtake. Making Wave Studios is great. What did you guys think about your mom being a dance teacher? I think it's great because it lets her bring out a part of herself that most people didn't know she had. Making Wave Studios is a community of people. Everybody's trying to help each other physically, emotionally, with meditation, yoga, dancing, and everything everybody does together is like one big heart and everybody's one piece of it.